0: church I know there were certain preachers though that sort of brought some good doctrines regarding um, certain things the Lord has provided regarding healing and even raising the dead and all that stuff and there was some good stuff being spoken about um, by even you know as as, as this particular thing started and um, but I remember hearing even some of these preachers talk about healing and stuff and and then they would condition certain things on certain works that you do, and that's, that's bad news. That, that's, not a, that's not according to Christ, and that's not part of the good news. Um, it really stops being the gospel and the good news when you take a glory, a benefit that Jesus really provided, and then you base it on something that, 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 that we do, right? That if you do this particular thing, you can enact this blessing, and if you don't do that particular thing, then you're outside the protection of God, or you make yourself vulnerable to the devil, or all these different things that we sort of say... Um, and we don't realize that that's all just receiving by works. And um, so the good news isn't just talking about the benefits, but making sure that people know that this is it's not based on you. It's based on Jesus. And, of course, the only thing that you need to do on your end is to believe what he did, not do something of yourself. Right? that's that really makes up the good news. Um, it's, it's, it may sound like good news, for instance, to talk about, oh, I'm healed, and then not such good news when you say, but if you sin, You let the devil. You give the devil an inroad, though. You're vulnerable to the devil. Therefore, when you sin, um, and he can put something on your body, or he can like, well, that's not good news anymore, right? It's a good benefit, but when it's based on us, we're never secure then, and you shouldn't be, right? You really shouldn't be. If you believe that there, when you do something wrong, uh, that you you sort of almost lose the protection of God against the devil and against things in this world when you do something wrong, well, you have no reason for security. Because the Bible says that Jesus is the surety of the of this better covenant, and we're not that surety. But if we do base this covenant or any of its benefits on us, you have no reason to be sure. You know, and, and, and Christians live their life, you know, um, learning benefits and, and yet feeling insecure about all of them. So, you know, you can feel secure tonight that Jesus paid for everything that you need to receive in your life manifestly. And uh, it's not based on your works, right? Just, it's just based on Jesus, and we're just believing him, and that's how you get the juices flowing, right? It's just to look at him and see what he did for you. All right. Um, so recently, let me bring you up, up a picture here. Let's see what we got here. Recently, we were talking about, um, we, we took a little rabbit trail last, uh, last week, but recently we've been talking about the, uh, this particular room here, and uh, known as the conversation or the conversing. This is the head of the temple, right? And talking about receiving the truth. But there was a message recently that we were talking about these candlesticks, right? That there were 10 candlesticks in the, the, the belly of the temple, right? Because this is the belly of the temple. And we, there's a, there's a, a message uh, in the temple series called the pregnant temple in which we talked about how even the schematics of the temple makes it look like a pregnant woman lying down, right? So this is the belly of the temple. And... She's pregnant with bread. She has showbread on these tables of showbread here um, in her belly. And that's why Song of Solomon, which is a conversation between Jesus and his temple, or Solomon in his temple, um, he tells his temple that her belly is a heap of wheat, if you guys remember that, right? And here you see the schematics. This is the, the, the biblical dimensions of the temple. And you see a heap, right? And there's wheat on the inside. There's showbread on the inside. So we're pregnant with life. We're, you're pregnant with the life of God this is not, that's not a metaphor, okay? That's, that's an actual thing in the Bible. I know a lot of people use the pregnant terminology. Um, in it, that's not uncommon in the church, but a lot of people don't use it right. I'm not saying that as a metaphor for something like, what are you giving birth to in your life, or like something like that. I'm saying that like, actually, the Bible literally is using the, these terms for us, okay? You've got bread in your belly. Your belly is a heap of wheat. Um, your um, your belly is full of life, because bread means life, right? And in particular, that bread is called showbread, remember? Or bread to face, because show in the Bible, that word is the word face. Bread to face. Bread for you to face. Bread for you to see, right? And that's why it's no wonder there's a candlestick that corresponds to every single table of showbread in the belly of the temple, because not only has God given you the grace, he's given you the truth to see the grace, because the grace would be of no use to you if you never saw it. Because obviously, the Bible says in Philemon 1.6 that, He's talking about love, I believe, in particular in that verse, but he says that through, it's through the acknowledgement right, of the good things that we have on the inside of us that these things are made effectual. So if you have all this life on the inside of you, you're blessed. right? We already know we're blessed. You've got all this life on the inside of you. It's good for your body. It's good for creation. You, you have authority all over all creation. You realize that? The Bible says that Jesus is the head of all principality and power, and you are full in him. In other words, you have the same stuff he has. He's the head over all these things. This is why Jesus can look at a fig tree, And tell it what to do we may need to grow in the details of those things but that's a real thing you have authority over creation i'm talking about inanimate things any of creation right not just people and their bodies but anything you have authority over those things so that you can reign over the creation in life right that's that's romans 5 17 that we would reign in life through the one jesus christ god wants you to reign in life doesn't mean reign in your life it means reign over creation. In the life of God, in bread, it's rain in bread, right? Rain R-E-I-G-N, right? Rain that way, like rule. Um, and uh, so we've got this life on the inside of us and God has given us authority over everything to share that life. But the thing is that life doesn't get flowing, doesn't become effectual in you until what? Until you acknowledge it. And that's why God didn't just give you all these blessings. It would be useless to us manifestly if he just gave us the blessings and didn't give us the truth, to be able to see those blessings god wants you to see what's yours and he hasn't even left that up to you he's left listening up to you we've talked about this recently right it's your job to listen to jesus the reason why there's variation of knowledge of jesus in the earth is not because god just gave more to some people and not to others it's because we listen differently okay that's not a condemnation that actually should encourage you that this is within your control that nobody can take that away from you you can listen to jesus and you can seek and you can find okay Nobody can take that away from you because when you seek the Lord, it's not that you give yourself revelation. It's just that when you seek the Lord, let me give you a word of advice too. I told you this recently. You have to seek God beyond that point where you feel I'm not hearing anything. That point there where you think that you need to seek God beyond that. If you don't seek God beyond that, you'll never know him. The Bible says if you seek him, you'll find him when you seek him with all your heart. You need to give it all your heart, not all your, not all your physical strength, right not all your not all your works not, not all of that but all your heart though you need to see God beyond that point you don't think that frequently when i spend time with the lord there's gaps of time that i don't hear anything but you you seek cuz you know you'll find i this is i'm not i i i pray you not know, take this the wrong way just so you see my heart in this i'm not saying this is a proud thing the things i'm teaching you right now is because when you push beyond that point, you get something. But you, you won't get anything if you don't push beyond that point. No one has ever sought the Lord and just, boom, a- immediately. You, you, you're hearing from the Lord, and you never, you know, you never find yourself at a point where, where you don't feel like you're hearing anything from him. But the thing is, we'll spend five minutes with the Lord, feel that we're not hearing anything, and throw our Bible to the side, or, or stop praying and, uh, and, and, and until our next five minutes. That's, that's not how it works. I'll, spend, I'll just give you an example. I was spending time thinking about this message. I, I was praying for probably an hour before I felt like I got any direction for even tonight. But guess what? I kept going, and I, 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 the Lord gave me specific words about different things. And it's not always an hour. It's not, I'm just saying it, it doesn't have to be a particular time frame. I'm just saying you will, you will find if you seek, but you you got to have that disciple's Mentality that when Jesus says something in John six that you don't understand, you're not picking up on His voice correctly, or not discerning His voice correctly. That you don't, you don't act like the five thousand and just leave and 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 not press into what He's saying, even if in their position it was because they didn't understand His voice. They said this is a hard saying, but they stuck it out and wrote the New Testament. You understand what I'm saying? No one is exempt from the time it takes to get to know Jesus. Nobody. Time. It, it, it's not just quality of time, right? It's also quantity. It doesn't mean you have to spend all day in your room, but it's time meditating. That has to be your number one priority in your life. You say, you know what? That, that is, that's, what I'm, that's what I live for, Lord, is to know you. And, and why should we say that? Because there's only one commandment that he's given us to do. Only one thing, right? I would hate to get to the end of my life and not have done that thing. One, one, he didn't tell you to get your family right. He didn't tell you to get your life right. He didn't t- tell you to get your thoughts, just generally speaking, right. I just want you to get to know me. Everything else is taken care of by my son. I'm going to work all these things out of you by my spirit. Just get to know me. But I would hate for Jesus to come back, and I have not done that, because I spent five minutes and then said, well, I didn't hear anything from you. That, that's not how that works. The Bible says, if you continue in my word, then you'll know the truth. You know what that means? Before you actually know what he's saying to you, there's going to be a time of continuance where you're not hearing that. That's what, that, that's what that means, where you're not understanding the truth, and yet you continue anyway. No one is exempt from that process. Not me, not you, no one's exempt from that, and no one has ever known the truth without going through that process. But you need to push with the certainty of knowing, I'm going to get some good stuff out of this, Lord. I'm going I'm I'm to I'm know your truth. I'm going to hear your voice. And the candlesticks are put there inside of you for that purpose, to show you the bread, so that you can face the bread. That's what the candlesticks are doing. Before the mind of the temple. These candlesticks, before the mind of the temple, they are there, and I actually know what I'll do in, in particular. I'll actually bring this one up. The candlesticks are here for that light to shine before the oracle, before the conversation place, to show you that bread. But you have to continue and acknowledge that truth on the inside of you and spend time with that truth on the inside of you, and then it's going to shine up into your heart, and that's how you get to know the Lord, but He has given you, He has given you those, those candlesticks, to shine right into your mind. Okay, so that's that, that's super important, very important to know, even for uh, what we're talking about tonight. But you know what? Though there there is more though. There's there's a um a very important thing we need to know about receiving grace, showbread, or the truth that reveals it. Uh, you can divide the inheritance up in different ways. One way you can sort of divide the inheritance of Jesus has given us into grace and truth. It's like everything that he's given you plus the truth to know it, right? That's what you see in John chapter 1 where, you know, Jesus came full of grace and truth, right? Um, came, came with grace for you, came with presence for you, and also the truth because he know you're not going to be able to know it by yourself, right? That's all of us, right? We, wanna, we can't know these things by ourselves, but, you know, these things are foolishness to, to a natural man. So to our natural mind, we wouldn't be able to know these things, but that's okay. He's got you covered there. You do the seeking. You do the time spending with him. You do all that stuff, and he's got the truth part. Jesus is not just the way and the life, right? He's the truth to show it to you. And so he's got the life here. Jesus is the life. Jesus is the showbread. He's also the truth. That's the candlestick to show. What we're going to talk about tonight is the way because watch this. These candlesticks, the Bible says, they are to shine before the oracle. We, I told you about how strange that would be if it was a mere architectural term there. If, it was, if he was just saying it for the schematics of the temple, it's a very strange thing to say. That the candlesticks were here to shine before the oracle. The oracle is in the, that's the other room. It doesn't say the candlesticks are there to shine in the belly. It didn't say the candlesticks are there to shine behind the porch here. It says they're there to shine before the oracle because this is our head. So that's why the candlesticks are there for your head. The candlesticks are there to, to talk to you in the conversation place. This is the chat room right here where God talks to you up here. He doesn't talk to you through circumstances in creation or, or get people into car accidents or tragedies to try to get your attention. He talks to you up here, this is the, right in your brain. This is the brain of the temple. These are our eyes of our understanding. The, the, the candlesticks showing light into that room there, tearing the veil off, revealing things you haven't seen before, right? Um, so Jesus is the life. He's the showbread because that's what bread means in the Bible. He's the truth to show you the bread that he came to give you. But you'll also notice that the lamps that shine before the oracle, and I'm only using the word oracle because it's in the Bible. It's actually not an accurate term. It, it, It should be better translated, the conversing, right? Our brain. But these candlesticks are there to shine before our brain. for our brain. God put light in you for your brain so you can know the things that he's freely given you. Right? He's the life. He's the truth. But notice, if this light wants to get in there, it has to go through this door. Right? Just so you know, for, just for, uh, there was a veil here also. I took the veil off here so that you could see the other room in there. There was a veil there, and obviously that's why we got the candlesticks, is to tear that down. Anything you're not seeing, to tear that down and show you the life you have. There's too much veil going on in the church today. We're not seeing Jesus. We go to church and we're okay with hearing full messages for weeks and weeks at a time that have nothing to do with Jesus. We'll talk about God. We'll talk about politics. We'll talk about all this stuff. We'll talk about, there's nothing wrong with. Talking politics, there's nothing wrong about talking about morality. Something wrong when you're not talking about these things in context of Jesus. Things as gifts, right? And when we're satisfied with that in the church today. Jesus is something we talk about on Easter. Um, At least the cross and what he provided. But anyway, the truth is there to reveal the life. But there's also a way that it gets into your brain. all right? And we're going to talk about that way. So let's talk about righteousness. This is, this is basically the mini Chase Me series um, right here. So if you, if you want a very, uh, a, a much more deep explanation on righteousness and all of that, you can listen to the Chase Me series. So Colossians 1.12, if you have time, you can throw it up there. Um, New King James Version, it just says, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light very wordy, so let's just narrow that down a little bit, is that the Lord has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance. You know what that means? That means there is an inheritance on the inside of you. Um, That's the bread. There's an inheritance. There's grace inside of you, life inside of you, but you have to be qualified to partake of it. It's not good enough to just say, well, I have the inheritance. I have the life of God on the inside of me. Because remember, I opened up this this message talking about how people will talk about different um, things that we have in Christ, but then they'll base it on your works, right, as the qualification to receive it. So it's one thing for someone to talk about healing or or wisdom or something that God's given you, and then base it on you as the qualification to receive it. If you do this thing, if you tithe, God will bless you. He'll open the windows of, of heaven and bless your finances if you tithe. If you eat right, then God will heal you. Now, obviously, I advocate giving at church, and I advocate eating right. But when you tie the receiving to that work, that's making you the qualification. Your work's the qualification for your receiving. But the way that we're able to receive in this new covenant is we've been qualified by the Lord. Jesus has made us righteous, and that righteousness is our qualification to be partakers. Look at uh, Romans 5. 413 this is king james back to king james romans 413 um, this verse is talking about abraham abraham the bible talks about his body the deadness of his body he couldn't have kids and he was um he there was aging in his body that the world would say is normal but he knows he's kingdom kid he knows that that's not normal for him right um normal doesn't just mean whether you see it in your body or not normal is whether you see it in jesus or not okay so he knew, that's not, that's not mine. I see aging. You know, I, I was thinking a, a few weeks ago, I am mean, like, you know, I actually, I, 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 I don't believe in aging anymore. Not that I don't believe it exists. I don't believe in it anymore, that it's a part of me, right? I don't believe it's a part of me anymore. You can just stop believing in something. The Lord reveals enough truth to you. You, say, well, you know, I'm done believing that. I, I don't believe that anymore. And Abraham didn't consider his own body, which was over 100 years old, and the deadness of his body, that he couldn't have kids, even though God told him, yeah, you're going to have a kid. You're going to have a lot of kids. Um... And Sarah also was barren, plus she was too old to have a kid, so she was kind of double barren. He didn't acknowledge the deadness of Sarah's womb either, but he needed to receive, though. He needed to be a partaker. And the Bible says how he was qualified to be a partaker of this life that he needed. There are things that you need in your life, I'm sure, but God has qualified you, made you a good candidate to receive. Not because you do enough. If you're spiritual enough in your, in your works, as we would call it, if you're holy enough, or you, or you do these various different acts, or you fast enough, or something like that. That, that, that you're now qualified to receive from God, or you feel you're more prone to receive from God if you do a lot of holy works and a lot of things. Um, God's receiving, okay, uh, uh, receiving from God, rather, is not for people that do holy works. Um, receiving from God is for people that receive holiness from Jesus as a gift. Holiness, righteousness, whatever you want to call it, it's for those that receive it as a gift. Abraham says the promise that he'd be heir of the world, whether you realize that or not, I talk about this in, uh, I think I have a series called uh, Enter New Earth, I talk about this in that series as well, and I prove that in that series, but uh, the heir of the world thing, that promise that Abraham was receiving, um, is talking about partaking of the things of new earth, the power of the age to come, as Hebrews 6 says, but that aside, this promise though, this this is in context, if I were to have a longer time to explain, it's talking about him receiving the things of the new earth for his body so that it would de-age his body. Okay? It, would, it, would, it, would, it would renew the corruption of his body and renew him in, in youth like Jesus. So that's actually what it's talking about if you continue to read the chapter. But then he says it, th- this promise, though, which is really uh, like this age-defying power, right? Keeping your body the same in, 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 in a form that is like Jesus. Him receiving that was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Through the law means it wasn't to him through his works. The law he's talking about here is the Ten Commandments and the the works of the Old Testament law. It wasn't to Abraham because of something he did. It wasn't, God wasn't impressed by something he did and therefore he received. It wasn't some holy work of his own, but it was through the righteousness of faith. In other words, Abraham, he's saying here that Abraham was a good candidate. Abraham was given the ability and the potential to receive from God because he was righteous by faith in Jesus. You see, receiving from God or, or, or even you know, we might think, oh, I can receive from God, but you almost see like certain miracles or raising the dead or something that doesn't happen just to your average Joe in the kingdom. But there's no average Joe in the kingdom. There's only people like Jesus in the kingdom. If you're saved, you're like Jesus now. There's only top tier Christians. There, there are no bottom tier Christians, okay? The concept of the body of Christ, you know, when people talk about it, sometimes people say, oh, even if you're just a pinky toe in the body of Christ, but that that's not obviously like a biblical thing that you can become a lower tier Christian. There's only top tier Christians because when you, when you receive Jesus, you, as he is, so are you in this world. It, it, there, there's no variation there, right? We're all one in Christ Jesus. There's not even a distinction between male and female as far as our receiving from God. Yes, yes, there is only male and female as far as flesh is concerned. Yes, they are two different things. Yes, they cannot be interchanged. And yes, if you have a problem with your identity, then get it from Jesus. Don't transition to the other gender, as, or at least attempt to. So that's, that is not possible, okay? If you have a problem with your identity, you listen to Jesus and get his identity. You don't try to transition to another gender, okay? That is not okay because God has better for you. That's why it's not okay. He wants people transitioning into his identity, not trying to copy the identity of somebody else to try to find fulfillment there. Whether you're doing something to your body, whether it's another gender, or whether it's someone you look up to and you're trying to act like so-and-so because you want to be like so-and-so when you grow up, how about you just look at Jesus and say, that's everything that I have and that's what I want to manifest. I relate to his identity. There's an identity crisis with people today, and a lot of kids are growing up in a world where they, that even their parents are telling them it's okay to transition into these various you know, uh, things that they see outwardly. Usually today, it's a, 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 you know, the, the, the hot topic is you know, another gender, which again is actually impossible to do. But it doesn't matter whether it's that or whether it's just you envying somebody else and trying to be like them. You know, we're, we're, we're top-tier believers like Jesus now. You have no room for improvement there. Okay? Um, I don't know how I got on that, but that's really good information. So, getting back to Abraham, we have all this stuff in Christ. But you can receive, the reason why you're qualified to receive, as Colossians said, is, because, is through the righteousness of faith. It's not through the righteousness of your works, how right your works are. It's how right Jesus made you through his work. Okay? It's through Jesus' work that we're made righteous, not through our own. But I want to just show you, in, in, before we leave this verse, notice the word through, through the righteousness of faith through the righteousness of faith righteousness is a unique part of what Jesus provided because it's not just something he provided it's something that everything else that he provided flows through it's the qualification part of the inheritance it's the qualification for receiving everything else Um, it's because you're righteous that you can be healed it's because you're righteous that you can be protected from death in this world it's because you're righteous that you can receive wisdom you see, like it, all these things come through righteousness. Abraham needed to receive life to his body, de-aging effects for his body. Again, that, that's what I was saying. That's how I got on that before. Because anybody in the kingdom of God can receive that. Okay? I was talking about sort of the average Joe in the kingdom, and sometimes we feel like that, versus like, oh, maybe I can't receive that miracle or that particular thing because that's too far-fetched. It's not far-fetched anymore because you have the righteousness of God that you can see in Christ Jesus. If Jesus qualified for it, and he has it right now, and he's not aging, and he's healed, and he's not hurting, and he's not emotionally traumatized, if that's true of him, you have his righteousness now. What do you think that that qualifies you for if you have his righteousness? In fact, it would actually be unfair if God told you that there was some part of what Jesus has received in his resurrected, glorified form that you couldn't have or couldn't manifest. It would be unjust. And thank God we don't have an unjust God. But you have the same righteousness as Jesus. The righteousness that Abraham received through uh, in this verse is the righteousness of faith, receiving the same righteousness that Jesus has. And when you're receiving through Jesus' righteousness, what do you get but Jesus' inheritance? It just makes sense. If two people do that, even in, in, in a place of employment, if two people do the same job, if I reward people equally, right, and two people do the same job, Uh, Perform exactly the same. I'm just to give them the same pay, right? That's that's a good and important thing. And with God, if you're the same, you have the same righteousness as Him, and the same righteousness as His as His Son, then that's why you get all the same things. And that's why Abraham was renewed in youth. Sarah was renewed in youth. Sarah was an old woman in years and looked young in at least that's what the Bible implies in person in quality. Abraham was an old man in years. I mean, God is an old person in years. Just if you talk about how many years, his years are without end. But in quality, he's a very young man. That's what God wants for you. God doesn't want to, uh... anyway. I'm going to get on youth then, and then I'm going to forget about righteousness here. So let's get back to righteousness. But all these things that we're talking about come through the righteousness of faith. That means it, that's why you can receive, okay? I'll throw this out at you, don't go here, but Romans 5.21 also says that grace reigns through righteousness. Matthew 5.20 says that righteousness is how people enter the kingdom of heaven. Um, a lot of great verses there. And um, you'll also notice in, let's go to Psalms 23.1. Righteousness is also called a door or a path in the Bible, therefore. It's because the um, righteousness is what you receive through it's the qualification you receive through just like abraham and so that's why righteousness can be called a path or a door like a like a means righteousness is the means by which you receive everything else so you stay there in psalm 23 but i'm gonna throw two verses out at you just for your guys own knowledge sake in psalms 118 he says open to me the gates of righteousness Psalm 118, verses 19 through 22. Open to me the gates of righteousness, and I will go through them. And then he talks about this is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. If you read the rest of the chapter, it goes on to talk about um, Jesus specifically and tying that righteousness to what he provided. Um, Isaiah 35, 8 talks about a highway and a way called holiness. So you see how path, way, door, the gates of righteousness, these things are are sort of... um, the conduit through which you receive. That's why you're qualified to receive the life of God. Psalm 23 is no exception to this. LITV, if we can read out of that translation. I'm only reading out of this translation because instead of quiet waters, it says waters of rest, which I feel is a a more accurate translation. LITV, the literal, uh, literal version. Jehovah is my shepherd, I shall not lack. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me to waters of rest. He restores my soul, or like renews my mind. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. You see that? The paths of righteousness. So the way that we receive the green pasture, the way that we get the inheritance, the way that we pull that out of us is through the paths of righteousness. Um, Again, the Chase Me series will substantiate the fact that this is actually what this stuff is talking about. Again, if you're new right now, you you may be, well, uh, if you're new, obviously you're new to this. But um, uh, he guides me in paths of righteousness. You see how righteousness is called a path, a way, a door, a gate, all those things. Um, in particular, what kind of righteousness, though, do we receive through? Righteousness for his name's sake. Very quickly look at 1 John 2.12. What does that mean, righteousness for his name's sake? To give you the punchline, it means not righteousness for your sake, as if you created this righteousness, or you developed this righteousness, or because you're so holy and you do the right thing all the time. Not that kind of righteousness, but righteousness for his name's sake for the sake of who he is and what he has done, that's why we're righteous and that's why we are led in that path uh, and we can receive the inheritance through that means. Righteousness for his namesake. Uh, 1 John 2.12, he basically says the same thing. He says, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his namesake. That's what he's talking about, for his namesake. Forgiveness, righteousness, right? Same thing in this context. Uh, forgiven for his namesake. The reason why you're forgiven and why you're righteous today and why you can receive through that righteousness is because of what Jesus has done, not, not because of what you do, right? Um, look at uh, 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 Romans 519. I know I'm throwing a lot of verse out at you, but Romans 519, you can see this very, this is basically the definition of receiving righteousness for his namesake, because of what he did and not because of what we do. You do have to be qualified for the inheritance, but that qualification is not of you. It's for everybody that believes in Jesus. Just belief on him is enough for you to receive and be made righteous and pure the same way he is on the inside. It says, for as by one man's obedience, many were made sinners through Adam's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one, referring to Jesus, shall many be made righteous. You see, you're not made righteous by your adherence to the law, by your obedience to the law. You are, and by the law, I mean the law of works. You are made righteous by the obedience of Jesus to the Father in going to the cross. And it's his work that makes you right before God, not your work that makes you right before God. That's why we can all even be in different places in our knowledge of the Lord and therefore be manifesting different things in our knowledge of the Lord. And yet we still have the same righteousness. How can that be? We still have the same relationship with God, the same reconciliation with the Father, the same peace with God the same holiness, the same righteousness, the same purity. How can that be? Because our righteousness is not based on our works, not even the ones that the Holy Spirit manifests through you. You don't have to wait for the Holy Spirit to manifest something through you because you're righteous. Actually, it's because you're righteous that the Holy Spirit can manifest that through you. You catch that, right? It's not that the Holy Spirit has to manifest certain things through you for you for you to get to a certain level where now you're more righteous or more holy or something. It's the other way around. He makes you righteous to begin with and puts that on the inside of you. And now the Holy Spirit can manifest. He manifests things through you because you're righteous. He doesn't manifest things through you in works to make you righteous. We start out righteous simply because of Jesus' obedience to the Father. It's because of his work, not your work. And therefore, anyone that believes in Jesus is as righteous as he is. Um, okay, so that's, that's sort of the, 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 the original concept of the Chase Me series in, 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 a, in, a, in a nutshell. Um, and before even that uh, obviously this is just righteousness in a nutshell That that's how that works um, here's the interesting thing though um, you can get this ready without putting that up there just yet but Job 3.10 so you guys may already know where I'm going and if you come to the church for a while you, you know where I'm going but the, what I'm about to share for the rest of the message is something that um, I believe it is solid but I just also want to tell you too that this is something that is 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 actually newer to me. Um it's um uh, not the concept but this has actually been maybe uh, within the past year the Lord showed me this and uh it's a very cool thing and it really confirms everything we just spoke about, okay? As far as how we receive from God and why you are qualified to receive from God, why you are an able you are able to receive these things from God. There's nothing that you should ever think about and think, well, like that I'm not either able to or a good candidate for receiving that because that seems like, you know, for ultra-spiritual people or something. It's not how it works. It's not how it works. Obviously, we want to grow in our knowledge, but there's not a tier of believers that raise the dead and cast out devils and heal the sick. That's, that's, that's not a tier of believers. That's, that's just believers because we all have the same righteousness, and if we all have the same means to the inheritance, that means we all have the same access to the inheritance, and therefore we can all receive the same inheritance from on the inside of us. We have the same means. Jesus is that equalizer. We were all equally screwed up before and all equally rectified after Jesus. Equally rectified after Jesus. That's how we need to consider one another. That's why we're brothers and sisters in Christ. As you believe in, when you believe in Jesus, we have the same righteousness and therefore the same access to the inheritance. It doesn't, yeah, it just, it does not flow through you because you feel like, well, now i got gotten to that level. Finally, I feel comfortable enough with myself that I can raise the dead now. Um, that day should never come. Even if it does, it shouldn't come. Where you ever feel comfortable in yourself to receive something. If you feel unqualified, as long as you're feeling unqualified based on your own works, that's all right. Because you don't need that anymore. You've got a new qualification. You can throw that out. Stop trying to. Feel qualified after you've done a certain amount of stuff or once I've had my own ministry, then I'll feel qualified. A lot of people start their own ministry just because they want a title or to feel qualified in some way or to feel validated. Just feel validated because you're made righteous. That is your access into the inheritance. That's your ticket in. That's your golden ticket to the factory. You have access to it because he gave you the golden ticket. That's righteousness. Righteousness is your access, your door and your means. And therefore, we all have the exact same access at all points in time to the inheritance. Again, we have to believe on these things and learn these things and grow in these things before they manifest. But as far as our access to those things is concerned, our qualification is concerned. It's all the same. Because it all comes through his work and not our own work. Because we believe in his work. Um, Job 3.10. Here's something let me just mention to you. I think is interesting. Um, I'm not going to teach a whole lot in these next two verses. I just want to throw them out at you because I think they're cool. Um, the Bible um, insinuates that even the way that he built things in creation are to be symbolic of us. Even You can see the resemblance even that we, I've been showing you in the temple to an actual physical pregnant woman, right? Like, and, and so let me say it this way. You don't look at creation to get knowledge of spiritual things. But when you see spiritual truths that the Lord shows you, you can look back and interpret creation, Okay? You don't use things like, well, the sky is blue, so that must mean that it's symbolic of such and such a thing. Or that's not how you do it, right? You don't look at creation and then interpret scripture or something. We look at the the truth, we receive the word of God, and then you can interpret creation. And there are things like, you know, mountains mean heaven in the Bible. Well, then you look back at creation, you say, well, it's higher than the earth. It's kind of interesting, right? How God did things in creation, and you're like, well, that's higher than the earth, and God made these upper places, even on the earth, to be symbolic of how the universe works. Pretty cool. Even how he built a woman's body, which, as I said before, is not interchangeable, but he specifically built women's body for this, uh, in, in this, in a particular way, that even resembles truth that we have as the church. You can even see here, and again, don't take cues. Don't start looking at, like, if you're a woman, look at your body in certain ways oh, this must be symbolic of that. Don't do that. Don't, don't learn from circumstance. Learn the truth from the Lord and from his word. Okay? Then you can look back, once you've got it over here, you can look back and say it's true of creation. Don't do it the other way around. Okay? Too many people do that. A lot of people do that with symbols. Okay? Just don't do that. If you've got scripture uh, chapter and verse for it, then, then that's fine. Which I have right here. Job 3.10, King James Job says, because it shut not up the doors of my mother's womb. He's talking about the day of his birth. That the day of his birth did not shut up the doors of his mother's womb. He talks about even the womb, has the, how the womb has doors. Right? And it's interesting here how you actually have two sets of doors to this, which is the womb of the temple. Okay? Furthermore, Job 38.8, so again another verse in Job, even the way the earth is created, under the earth, um, like the underworld, the Bible calls that the sea. Okay, calls it a place of waters, which I don't quite know what the waters part means under the earth, but it's that's what it's called in the Bible. A lot of times, when the Bible, even like in Jonah, where it talks about how the the floods encompassed him and all this stuff, he's talking about the underworld. Okay, and it's called like this 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 the sea under the earth, right? And um and furthermore, even in the last day when Jesus comes back, the earth will be destroyed, and it talks about how the floods from under the earth will will spring up and destroy the earth. And it's even that you see the, 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 the relation to us, how we, like the earth, you see like our bodies, the earth, and then we're said to have the water drinking the water of the Holy Spirit in John 4 on the inside of us, and then it springs out of us, right? Uh, even the planet you walk on, the Bible says, right? This is true, not because of looking at creation, it's true because the Bible. I'm looking at the Bible, and I'm saying, even the way God created the earth is to resemble us and how we receive from God, how things spring up. I mean even a physical well, you know again. This is just speculation because I'm not giving you scripture for the Even if it's a physical well, how, when, you know, when you drill for water, I think that's cool too. But anyhow, so it says um, uh, the sea, it says, um, referring to the underworld, has doors. Shut up the sea with doors. And would it, uh, when it break forth as it had issued out of the womb, calls even like the underworld under the, underneath the earth as a womb, and it has doors. So I, I just think that's interesting. But it is cool that this is the belly of the temple, which we have established, and it has doors here. Okay, now I wonder what the doors mean, right? Because we've talked before about how the temple, um, you know, in, in, w- with the gold that's lining the temple. We've talked about how the gold runs out this door, right? Uh, it's interesting, right, that the gold is running through a door. It's running through a door, right? And so I've already given you the punchline for the rest of the message. Now I'm just going to prove to you how it relates. The gold has to run through a door. The glory of God on the inside of you has to run through a door. The reason why you can manifest anything you need in your life, you can manifest more than you need in your life because God has not just given you what you need. He's given you also pleasures forevermore. Uh, It doesn't mean you can just receive whatever it is that pops into your head um, because God's only given you the things that pertain to life and godliness. So if you want not like you someone would want this but if you wanted sickness you can't get that from the lord because he only gave you things that pertain to life and godliness if you wanted sin you say lord i'm praying that you know uh so and so's wife would leave their husband and come with me that's you know god's not going to help you with that right um god will prosper you as you believe but there's nothing of sin to be produced there it's only life and godliness but whatever it is that you need as it pertains to life and godliness You can receive in your life there is a door that gives you access to the gold you've got on the inside two doors actually there's the front doors there um, as we know which the gold is running through and the fountains are on either side flanking flanking that door to show the bursting forth from the womb but then also um, you've got the inner doors right the inner doors are there so check this out there's doors to the body the outside here, and there's doors to the mind. Both ways, there are doors. Let's, um, let's look. Let's look here at um, 1 Kings 6.31. 1 Kings 6.31. i show you something really interesting about these doors. 1 Kings 6.31. It says, and for the entering of the oracle. We know the word oracle means the conversing. So that's talking about this room here, right? Um, for that entrance there, he made doors of olive tree. You can see there, the lintel and the side posts were a fifth part of the wall. That there's a lot of italics there when it says fifth part of the wall of the wall is not even there. So that we'll leave that for another day as far as what that means there. But nevertheless, it says there's a lintel and side posts on these doors. Doors, lintel, and side posts. Now. I, the Bible doesn't go into great description as far as what these side posts look, uh, what what they look like. So I just tried to stay generic and with what um, he said. When it says a fifth there, a fifth part of the wall, um, there is some debate as to what that means. I put sort of like a five-fold side post and lintel because it says that, but I tried to just be generic with it, right, and not try to input something from my imagination. The only reason why I put these here is because, as we'll see, the Bible does make like a distinction between the lintel itself and the side post. Um, so I just put those dividers there. That's the only reason why they're there. Okay. So I don't know exactly what they look like. But here's the interesting thing. Um, the word side post there is literally the word for uh, prominent. Prominent. It comes from a root word. Now, usually I don't get into all this Hebrew stuff. I just want to show you, like, I'm sure I could find a verse somewhere to prove something to you but this is important that we know the Hebrew on this one. It comes from a root word that means conspicuous or the fullness of the breast. Now, for the rest of the message, I'm going to say breasts probably more time than I've said in any message thus far, so everyone just hold on with me here, and if you're childish enough, you know, I know, no chuckling back there. So, uh, this is just a message about breasts, okay, if you're, if you're wondering, okay? <laughs> you got people listening online and someone's walking by and like, what? <laughs> a message about breasts? That's what it is, all right? So we're going to learn about breasts right now. So so here, here we go, all right? Buckle up. So those side posts, I see that word, that it comes from the root. It means prominent, but comes from a root that can mean fullness of the breast. Now, I had already known certain things that i'm going to share with you in a second but then i saw that and it kind of added a layer of confirmation to this very interesting though you can see where these side posts are located here are the eyes the understand that's the head the veil over the eyes right we're still learning the belly and look at where those side posts are right right under the neck right now i'm not taking cues from circumstances but i clearly see that right like the bible just i'm reading that i'm saying okay um but Here's, here's the interesting thing, though. I had already, when I saw that, I already knew of this particular verse from Song of Solomon. Look at this verse from Song of Solomon. Actually, you know, before I even get there, before I even get there, sorry. So you've got these side posts, and I just gave you the interpretation of that. 1 Kings 6.22, though, so just stay in the same chapter, verse 22. It says that in front of those doors was an altar, Of incense that was a very hard thing to make because it has like four horns on the altar but there's an altar there in front of the door and you can see that it says that also the whole altar that was by the oracle if you see that there uh, yep the whole altar that was by the oracle he overlaid it with gold also you can see don't put this up there Exodus 31 through 8 confirms the placement of this particular altar that's the altar of incense okay where it is said i don't have it with me right now in second chronicles it says that it was to burn sweet incense upon it to the lord i had told you guys that this altar in particular is to represent the as the candlesticks are showing us the bread shining before the oracle right let's open that up real quick shining before the oracle that light if you look at the trajectory the bible correlates these candlesticks to this room but that light as it's shining it has to go through right here right this is sort of the entering in of our brain and this is to burn a sweet fragrance to the Lord and the Bible says that when we know Jesus it's a sweet fragrance to God so literally as the light shows us the bread and enters into our brains fragrance you see that fragrance to the Lord as it's entering in specifically I had read you from the book of Exodus that they burn incense on this just to confirm what I'm telling you they burn incense on that particularly when they light the lamps or when he dresses the lamps. So when these things get lit up, displaying the life of God in the inside of you, it's a sweet-smelling fragrance to the Lord when he sees his kids learning the truth. When he sees you get a revelation of how good you have it in Christ. God loves that. Okay, Sweet-smelling aroma. But with all that said, look at the placement of this, of this, of this um, altar. It's right in front of the door between these two posts, right? That's where it is. Again, Exodus 30 also confirms that placement. Well, look at Song of Solomon one twelve. Because, again, I already knew this particular verse in Song of Solomon when I learned that those side posts come from a root word that means fullness of the breast. I already knew this, okay? I already knew this. It says, while the king sits at his table, Psalm 112, while the king sits at his table, my spikenard sends forth the smell thereof. Spikenard is just, obviously, it's like a plant that can be used in... In a, I believe in incense and also like a, like a, as, as an aromatic. Okay? It, it's, it's, for, it's for that purpose. That's why he says sends forth the smell thereof. So we're already getting incense vibes here already, right? Now watch this. Look at verse 13. And a bundle of myrrh, another thing that's used in perfume, right? A bundle of myrrh is my well-beloved unto me. He shall lie all night betwixt or between my breasts. Okay, you, we already know Song of Solomon is a talk between Solomon and his temple. That's why the characteristics of the bride here are, are, are um, descriptive of the temple. And she just totally confirms this by saying, spikenard and myrrh, right? Sweet smell, she says, is my well beloved unto me, and he shall lie all night between my breasts. That to me automatically just goes boom. Those are the breasts of the temple. The fact that they are anatomically correct there is just extra credit. That's, that's not why I'm sh- saying this, right? Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll um, show you in a second, the anatomical correctness here is not, should not be the, the sort of the our reason. But she liter- the temple is speaking. And it says that her well-beloved to her is a bundle of myrrh between her breasts. And then when you look at the temple, she's got a temp- uh, an altar of incense literally between her breasts. And that's where the root of those, those two posts mean prominent, which you can see how it could mean breast. therefore. So that's why um, I'm showing you the placement here is for that verse in Song of Solomon. Here's the interesting thing, though. Look at 1 Kings 6.33. So I'm like, okay, that, that, that makes sense. 1 Kings 33, though. Then he starts talking, though, about the front door. Okay? The front door. And it says he also made, um, he made for the door of the temple, that means the front door here, posts of olive tree. You can see they have the same posts, or at least very similar posts, on the outside. And that word post is that same word. It's actually like mezuzah or something like that in Hebrew, and it, it's the same word uh, for side posts, right? Uh, fullness of the breast and all that kind of stuff. So then you're like, well, that throws it off, because actually I read that, and I thought, wait, was I wrong or something? I'm not misunderstanding, because I'm just thinking of what's anatomically correct. This is sort of like the crotch area okay, of the temple. Why are there breasts down there, okay? I understand. This is going to be too much for some people, but that's Crotch and breasts, and what are we talking about at church? So, right? But hold on. This is is awesome uh, application to us, believe it or not. Believe it or not. So I'm thinking, am I wrong here? Because breasts here make sense. Down here doesn't make sense until I read this verse in Song of Solomon. Because, again, it's the same word for those side posts there. But then Song of Solomon 4-5. I'm getting to the end here. I mean, I have a bit more to share. But Song of Solomon 4-5, though, and I read this and I'm like, nope, I was right on that. Because there's breasts here, and then Song of Solomon 4-5, we already said that there should be some kind of sweet-smelling incense between the breasts. Okay, so that confirms this. And then in Song of Solomon it says, your two breasts are like two young rows that are twins, which feed among the lilies. I read that and I say, I'm confirmed in that now. Because again, knowing this is a description of the temple. Most I've never heard someone say that Song of Solomon is a description of the temple. I've never heard that before. That is emphatic. I will do, we, I've been sprinkling these verses in to almost every message, but I'm going to do a full timeline where we just read through the whole book of Song of Solomon at the end of this, and then we'll, we'll, we'll see it all together. Breasts here. Song of Solomon says, her two breasts feed among the lilies. Guess where the lilies of the temple are? right there right there there's lilies on the outside that's where the lilies are obviously to represent the manifestation um, on the outside sort of the sprouting up of all the good things that God's put on the inside of us and I read that and I say okay that means that her breasts also should be amongst the lilies that's what it says and then you look here and you've got two posts She says that her breasts are twins that feed among the lilies and then two posts that are right amongst the lilies on the outside and so That's why I said it's not important necessarily the anatomical nature of this because God has a a deeper meaning here that he's trying to show us. Here's where it gets awesome is when you know what breast means symbolically in the Bible. I'm going to add this little extra thing to our glossary um, at some point. But the word milk in the Bible specifically means, can mean purity. Properly means something more like simple, but therefore can imply purity. And there's verses for that don't go here. I'm going to read you three verses just so I can rapid fire them. Song of Solomon 5.12 says, uh, washed with milk. Washed with milk, meaning milk makes something clean. Okay, so we already got that from Song of Solomon 5.12. Genesis uh, 49.12 in the literal version, it says white from milk. White is also another word that can be used in the Bible for like clean. Um, Jesus says in Revelation, they'll walk with me in white because they are worthy. Okay, so you see that like worthiness, white from milk. So wash with milk, Song of Solomon 5.12, uh, uh, white from milk. Lamentations 4.7 says purer than snow and whiter than milk. You see how milk can be used for washing, for purity, um, or, or white, clean, right? So furthermore, the, the way that this is the part that I'll, I will add to the glossary, though, if it's not already on there. Milk means that, can mean purity, but then breast also can be sort of uh, used the same way because I'll just tell you very quickly, I was going to read it, I don't have time. Um, Isaiah 55 tells us that we can get from the Holy Spirit three things, bread, wine, and milk. Bread, wine, and milk. Those are all symbolic words. Milk would obviously mean purity, right? Wine in this context would mean like rest, um, and bread. So you've got these three things, but if you read Isaiah 32, He is talking about the pouring out of the Spirit in that chapter as well, but it says that before people, watch this, before people receive from the Spirit, they mourn for, it says specifically, uh, they lament for the teats, yep, I said it, the teats for the pleasant fields and the fruitful vine, okay? Vine, like wine, and so instead of saying wine like Isaiah 55 says, it says the vine, instead of Bread, I assume, he says pleasant fields. I assume that's the placeholder for the word bread there. But then he also says, for the breasts. That they would lament for the breasts, for the vine, for the fields. And so you can see how the word breast there is being used in replacement for the word milk. That may be a little much for some people that have never heard this stuff, but my point with this whole thing is that breast and milk can be used interchangeably, as you just saw. And milk means purity. And how do you receive from the Lord? righteousness. And what do you see in the temple? Two sets of doors for your body and for your mind that whenever you receive of the inheritance, you're receiving through that purity for his namesake. Righteousness for his namesake. These things have to go literally through the temple's quote-unquote breasts to to manifest. You have these doors with, with breasts on either side showing That everything you receive from the Lord, you're a good candidate for these things. You're able to receive these things and manifest these things. It's normal and natural for you to raise the dead. It's normal and natural for you to have wisdom about things that people can't know otherwise. It's normal and natural for you to be able to know the future. That's a normal thing. That's what believers just have, right? That's not like special occasions. Why is it not for special occasions? Because you always have the breasts. You always have the purity to receive it. And you can tell. Whenever, if you got to receive some of that lamp, some of that truth for your mind, you know you can receive it because it's got to go through purity to get to your head. It's because the purity, the purity gives you access to the candlesticks for your mind. Candlesticks shining before the oracle, no problem. You can receive that wisdom. You know why? Not because you do the right thing, but because Jesus did the right thing for you to make you right. His right deed makes you right. Your right deeds don't make you right. Doesn't matter how much right or wrong you do. God can use you just the same as long as you're putting faith in his right deed at the cross. It's his purity that is the door for the entrance of the candlesticks into your mind. And on the other hand, we obviously know this. The same thing is applicable for your body. The candlesticks can shine into the oracle and that showbread, that life on the inside of you, can flow out to your porch and manifest like a fountain through you because it's got to go through purity. To get there. It can manifest to your body. Obviously giving your body rest in the meantime. Giving life to your body. Giving life to creation. Giving life to other people around you. Share that showbread to your body or to any anyone else. And you can receive of that those candlesticks as well. The truth on the inside of you to your mind. You've got grace. You've got truth on the inside of you. You've got candlesticks and you've got showbread on the inside of you. And whether it's to your mind or whether it's to your body or anyone else. The reason why you can receive it is because you're pure through Jesus. That is not applicable to everybody. I, you know, I, I would love to say, oh, you know what? Everybody's just pure before God. I would love to say that. That's, that, that can't be, you know why? Because me, let me just use myself as an example. I'm not pure of my word. I can't make myself pure. I can't scrub myself clean enough with, with, my, with, with my works. Because I can't do the goodness that God would require of me if he were to require it from me. I can't do enough. It's not that, oh, uh, I'm not saying that... Uh, Someone's a bad egg or worse than somebody else. No, we were all in that same boat, but I can't make myself clean. Purity, righteousness, is something that we had to receive as a gift through Jesus. Right? Again, Romans 5.17 says that righteousness is a gift, that purity is a gift. Two more scriptures to show you. Two more scriptures to show you. I still have uh, a few more minutes, so two more scriptures, and then we're going to wrap up here. But that's why the temple can receive. Tonight we're not so much talking about just what the temple can receive, but why you're able to receive it. Always. You're uh, an able candidate to receive the things God has given you. Um, Look at Psalms 119, verse 130. Psalms 119, verse 130. I'm going to read you this one verse, and then we're going to end in Psalms 23, and then we're done. But it says here, Look at this. Look at this. The entrance of your words gives light. The entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding unto the symbol. The word of God, in order for it to get to your mind, has an entrance. Now, the word entrance there—that's not a verb, meaning like the entering in of your words, as if it were like an action word. That the word of God saying—it's a noun. It means like a door, an opening. The door of your words. There's a door for the word of God. God doesn't just speak to anybody. We went over that, right? That's why God could give Pharaoh a dream, Nebuchadnezzar a dream, but he had to make it obscure because he can't share truth with you unless you're righteous. This is why in Revelation, right, we went over this as well. When God wanted to give wisdom and break those seals and unlock some knowledge in, in, in Revelation, the question was, who's worthy? Of course, Jesus was worthy by his righteousness, but because we got his same worthiness, as Revelation also says, everything that Jesus was able to see and partake of with wisdom, John, at the time, was also able to see. Um, John received. Actually, that's where we get the book of Revelation, is because we're qualified through Jesus' worthiness, his righteousness, to receive all the wisdom that he received. And that's why it says that the entrance, the doorway to your words, gives light. The reason why you can receive light to your mind is because you have the door to get it. You have the door to get it. You have the righteousness to qualify you for God to speak to you. God can speak to you in your mind. Not just can, but you are the kind of person that receives that because of righteousness. Um, This is a good, this verse is a good counterpart to, don't don't go here, but uh, 2 Chronicles 4.20. That's where it says that the candlesticks are to give light before the oracle. Combine that with uh, the verse we just read in Psalm 119, that these candlesticks do give light before the oracle, but there's an entrance of his word that allows that light to get in. Okay? One more scripture here, Psalm 23. I know we just read Psalm 23, but I just want to go over this one more time in context, and then I'll let you go. Psalm 23, verse 6, though, first. um, L-I-T-V. Literal version. Psalm 23. It says, um, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Wherever you go, you can't get away from it, right? You can't get away from it. And you don't have to look at your circumstances to tell whether that's true or not, right? That, that's a truth because the Lord is with you wherever you go. Goodness and mercy, gosh, you can't get away from it. So it's all over you. And I shall dwell in the house of Jehovah for as long as my days. When I was younger, I used to read that verse and wonder, what does that mean, I'm going to dwell in the house? Like, I used, I used to, people because People told me that the church was like the house of God. Oh, isn't it good to be in the house of God today? So I would think, was well, he's going to stay at church, like, all his life? Like, he wants to be inside the church? But, like, but it's like, when people tell you that, what, do you, what am I to think, you know? <laughs> and, um, like, it sounds boring. You're just like, I'm, I'm going to be in the church all my life. So uh, that's obviously not what it's saying. He's talking about himself as a part of the house of God. Right? When you get saved, you become a part of this thing right here. This schematic here, you become a part of this. Um, this is why I'm teaching on this. Because it's not about a building. We are part of the house of God. So when he says I will dwell in the house of, of Jehovah for as long as my days, for like forever, um, he's saying that I'm, I'm a part of the house of God. I'm in the house of God. Not that I'm in a building. I'm in the house of God. I'm a living stone built up into this house. Right. That's what the Bible says. So it's, it's so important to know that Psalm 23 is written from this perspective. Because that, that's like your little temple symbolism cue. He's talking as the temple. He prays this and praises the Lord with, with this psalm, with this song, Psalms 23. But he ends it by saying, I'm going to be a part of this house forever. I'm a living stone in this house forever. So then when you read the rest of the chapter, I'll read it right now. Let's go to verse 1. You read it as he's referring to... The temple, him as the temple and how the temple conducts itself. And then you just start seeing all over the place the sort of um, the similarities here. Read this and I'm done. Jehovah is my shepherd. I shall not lack. Right. That is the Lord teaching you. Right. He's, He's my shepherd. He's the one teaching me. I shall not lack. He makes me lie down. It's on a bed. Right. David, the house of God, is praying this. He shepherds my mind. He makes me lie down because God wants you to rest. That's why he's given you so much, so he can work through you instead. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Song of Solomon says, our bed is green. The temple speaks and says, our bed is green, showing that this bed here represents those green pastures. He says, he leads me to waters of rest. What do you see? Stone temple. That means rest. Why can the temple rest? Because they got waters putting it to rest on the outside, those fountains, right? Waters of rest. And where are they? They're right by the temple. He leads me to waters of rest. Waters that put me to rest. That work through me instead. He restores my soul, which of course is the same thing I just showed you. He restores my soul. He's speaking to me. He's shepherding me. He's, uh, he's uh, renewing my mind. Um, he goes on. Let's just go to verse 6 again. For, for uh, Excuse me. Excuse me. Verse 3. Let's continue in verse 3. He restores my soul. And what is it? He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. This is the temple speaking, David the house of God, and saying, all this pasture that I'm receiving, this rest that I'm manifesting from outside of me, I receive it through the paths of righteousness for his namesake. And obviously this is what we learned today, is that's what these doors are. These doors are the paths of righteousness through which we receive. All the pasture and all the stuff that's going on, the rest the life that's being produced, the goal that's running out, is all received through the path of righteousness. All received through purity, between those breaths. Through purity is how we receive everything that God's given us. Not our own purity of our own making, not because we do the right thing or because we think the right thing. It's because, and obviously when I say think the right thing, I mean general, general thoughts. But it's righteousness for his namesake. Righteousness because of who he is and what he's done and not because of what we do. We hope you enjoyed this message from Reform Church. If you have, please share this with someone else and help us get this uncommon truth out to the world. If you'd like to support this good news, you can do so at reformchurch.com/give. Also on our website, you can take advantage of our free messages, articles, and even full discipleship courses. Start reforming your mind now at reformchurch.com.